some aspects of life have been more dramatically impacted for sure. And high on the list is how we work. Of course, some people had to stop working, right? Uh, It also includes for a lot of people where they work. Millions of people shifted to online work and working from home arrangements, things like that. And that might turn out to be a game changer for companies and their employees. For a lot of people, it really changed that work-life balance that we always talk about. So much so that going back to the old way of doing things just isn't all that attractive for some. And a lot of people who can walk away from the workaday world are predicted to do just that when all of this wraps up. David McDonald is the Senior Economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, and he joins us now. David, thank you for joining us this morning. Appreciate your time. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. Yeah, it's an interesting discussion when you take a look at this, because everything has been thrown into the blender and changed in so many different ways. But um, it's probably safe to say the pandemic represents the single biggest disruptor that we've seen to the way we live our lives. And for the purposes of this discussion, how we work, it really has changed everything that we knew, you know, just a year ago. A huge shakeup in people's working lives. Uh, you know, a lot of people lost their jobs. I mean, if you were a low-wage worker on minimum wage, 50-50 chance you lost your job to the majority. You lost your job at the majority of your hours in, in the first couple months of the pandemic. Um, you know, things improved a bit since then, but uh, a lot of those folks went through several lockdowns where they probably would have been laid off again. And this is for people who actually lost jobs and hours. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the rest of the folks that didn't lose jobs or hours, uh, they may have been working in office and been pushed to working at home for big periods of the year as provinces had stay-at-home orders that, uh, you know, closed offices in essence. Um, and then on top of those workers, it's people who kept their jobs uh, and remained in industry, some of them essential workers, many of them essential workers. Um, however, we're working in a workplace that had threats they'd never seen before, uh, you know, so the threats that they'd be taking viruses home to either themselves, their children, their parents that they lived with. Uh, and so just all around, whether you kept your job, lost your job, uh, big changes in the working world. Have we seen numbers changing within the workforce as this has gone on? Have there been a, a great number of people who, you know, not just unemployed people, obviously there were a lot of those, but if there are people who've just left the workforce altogether, they, they're unemployed and they have no interest in going back? Well, there were two big spikes over the course of the pandemic uh, where we saw people leaving because they were dissatisfied uh, with their work. That was the reason that they said in sort of various versions of that, um, as opposed to being laid off or their business closed or something like that. These are people who had a job and they decided to leave of their own accord um, due to due to some you know dissatisfaction with right. the job or they're going back to school. So there's two, there were two spikes during the pandemic. The first spike was in March uh, at the outset of the pandemic. And so this was likely people concerned about their own health uh, and safety or the health and safety of uh, their families at home that they might bring it home to. And so there's a big spike in people leaving at that point. And then a second big spike of people leaving in September. The March spike is very unusual. September spike is not that unusual because people are going back to school. So they're leaving work to go okay. back to school. They decided to get retraining or, you know, maybe they were just working for the summer or something like that. And so that might give us some indication of, you know, some of the reasons that people might be leaving. Um, I think that was as uh, more people are called back to work, hopefully over the late summer and early fall, as things return to some sense of normalcy, I think that'll be a, also a turning point, point for people that maybe they, they don't want to go back to the, the job they were at. Maybe they don't want to go back into the office that yeah. they were at, even if they remained working. Um, uh, you know, it's, certainly these types of big disruptions are a time for people to reevaluate 
what they're doing um, in terms of their in terms of their profession, who they're working for, in terms of whether they think that they've been taken care of by their employers, um, uh, you know, and maybe it's time for them to go back to school. There's certainly there's certainly um, plenty of supports, at least in the next year or two, for people that. Um, want to train for new careers uh, in terms of the federal budget that was released uh, last month, but also several of the provinces have these types of incentives as well. And so there'll be opportunities for people also to move to to new professions if they if they want to. Yeah, as you say, such a massive upheaval. Uh, just to talk about the changes that we've seen thus far, has it affected all demographics equally? Can we put certain groupings together, you know, young, old, male, female, different things like that? Has one sector been hit harder than others? Yeah, I mean, usually it's actually the men that are uh, that leave slightly more than women uh, due to dissatisfaction and other reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, women are slightly more likely to leave due to due to family responsibilities, uh, for instance, than men. But during the pandemic, actually, it switched, and so women were actually more likely to leave the the workforce across a variety of categories because they were dissatisfied dissatisfied um, in contrast to men. So women's somewhat more likely. So that seems to be the the split there. I mean, across the particular reasons, it's not that sort of, you know, staying home with family, for instance, is particularly driving the the women leaving the workforce. Um, you know, it, it's, it seems to be fairly generic across the various dissatisfaction reasons. Interesting. Okay. So now, as you said, when people go back to work, whenever that may be, and things get back to whatever normal is going to be after all of this, um, there could be a lot of people who simply decide they're not going back, right? Any idea how many people we may be looking at? Or I guess it's hard to quantify ahead of time. Yeah, I mean, it's tough to say. I think that the, that the return to work will probably be spaced out much more so than the start of the pandemic, which had a very clear start point in the middle of March. Uh, the going back is going to differ based on the province you're in, uh, in terms of the public health, or it's also going to differ based on the province, uh, the uh, company you're working for and when they... Um, feel safe to recall workers either that have been laid off or just recall workers to to an office space. Um, you know, if we look at March uh, 2020 at the number of people that left because they were dissatisfied, about 70,000 workers. Um, and so, you know, maybe that we'll see something like that spread over the course of the late summer and, and early winter, people leaving the workforce, potentially go back to school, looking for another job. Um, you know, I, I think on uh, there have been really substantial federal initiatives, primarily federal initiatives, to support workers that have been unemployed uh, and also to support businesses uh, that would have otherwise closed uh, through massive transfers, actually more transfers to business. And so both sides are actually in a, in a relatively strong position going into the fall uh, in the sense that workers aren't terribly desperate, um, in, that they, in you know, situations they might have been in other pandemics, the supports have been reasonable and there, there's a fair amount of incentives them to go back and retrain if they want to do that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and businesses also have seen uh, lower insolvencies, bankruptcies in 2020 than they saw in 2019, and that's in large part due to all these federal supports. Um, and so I think what uh, one of the challenges will be in, in the reopening effort will be to certainly rebuild um, office culture, workplace culture, that I think is the morale certainly has suffered from having everybody working from home, and also to make uh, employees feel safe to return. Um, you know, so during right. the pandemic, you might not have felt particularly safe going back to your employer. You know, maybe they didn't have the right PPE procedures. Uh, you know, maybe you felt unsafe due to the pandemic or unsafe due to understaffing. Uh, and so I think it's going to be important for business to, to make, you know, really make an effort to not just to recall employees, but to make it clear that they, you know, are running a safe workplace, it's properly staffed, uh, and, and sort of to, 
to rebuild that workplace morale that I think has suffered a lot in a lot of workplaces over the past year and a half. Yeah, and, you know, as we talked about, there has to be some flexibility, right? Because I think a lot of people have discovered the way they were doing their jobs before, um, whether it impacted their work-life balance or their efficiency or whatever the case may be, now that they've had to do it a different way out of necessity, they've realized there are better ways of doing things. And I think, you know, if you're an employer, you have to recognize the fact that some of the changes that we made because we had to, may have actually benefited us and our employees, and we need to make sure we're we're, we're cognizant of that. We can't just go back to the same old way of doing things. Yeah, certainly for office workers who've been pushed to working from home basically for a year, clearly the working from home can work. I mean, there are downsides in terms of uh, workplace morale and so on, and so I'm not sure that you would necessarily want to be a virtual company for you know, going forward after the pandemic is over, but certainly providing some additional flexibility to workers to work from home a, a day or two a week. Uh, you know, particularly in big cities with terrible commutes, uh, you can see a lot of time savings for workers in terms of going in and out of the city. You know, for for other workplaces, a lot of workplaces, you don't really have an option. You can't work from home if you're exactly. you know driving a bus, you're working a lunch counter or something like that. Um, and so for those folks, they have never really experienced additional flexibility. Uh, if anything, they've they've experienced um, probably a lot more fear to going to workplaces that didn't have you know fear of disease prior to this. Uh, and that I think uh, is going to push workers in those sectors to potentially reevaluate whether they want to go back at the mm-hmm. wages they're being paid prior, and potentially it's time for a you know, a career change to another industry or potentially to another employer. And so I think there's also going to be a fair amount of switching jobs um, when the, when everything starts to reopen for people that may be presently employed. Yeah, and David, I guess we shouldn't be surprised by this. When you have something this um, cataclysmic and this transformative, it's going to have a lasting impact. Things are going to be different. Yeah, I suspect they are going to be different. I mean, we do have to remember that the, there's a lot of folks that uh, over the course of this, I mean, this is one of the dangers of long-term unemployment, uh, and also people, young people graduating into recessions, is that the impact isn't just that they lose a half year or a year's worth of wages. The impact is, is often much longer term. 10 or 20 years later, they still have lower income uh, because they have this gap in their resume, because they graduated in a recession and couldn't get a job right away. Uh, and so there will be long-term impacts here, despite the potential for upside for workers that, that do have jobs and might take advantage of you know, the, the, the ability to switch jobs or to gain more flexibility in office jobs. Interesting discussion, David. Thanks so much for uh, all your insight this morning. I appreciate it. Sure thing. Thanks for having me. That is David McDonald, who is a senior economist at the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives, taking a look at the way things have changed.